back. Pulls up for three. Boom! Knocks it down. Curry from the corner at three. Puts it in. For overtime. Makes it. Garrett. Welcome to the MVP cast for me, Mark Woods. Thank you so much for listening into the podcast. If you like it, please, of course, hit the subscribe button. Then you won't miss a single episode. And if you can spare a few seconds extra, please do leave us a review or share everything on social media and help us spread the word. Now, in this edition, we have one of our more multi-skilled, multi-talented homegrown heroine. She's a Great Britain basketballer who's also played for England in a different sphere and is also part of what I think we can officially call the UK's premier hoops dynasty. Ella Clark, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Um, You are, I think what we call, the Americans would call a two-sport star, of course, with basketball and netball. And this is the time of year... I'm sure you're well used to it by now. When you're you're juggling a little bit with the Dara, you've got Leicester Riders in the WBBL, you've got Loughborough Lightning in the, in the Netball Super League. I mean, give us a flavour, you know, with you know games coming thick and fast, you know, on both fronts at the minute. What's your weekly schedule like? Um, I try to balance most, uh, like both of them, as much as I can, as best I can. Um, with COVID, it obviously makes things a little bit more difficult. Um, with certain rules and regulations, but um, it usually goes in an ideal setup. It would usually go um, basketball, netball, basketball, netball, basketball, netball, and then games at the weekend. Um, that's how it is averagely, like how it would be last year. Obviously, there are a little bit, a few changes here and there. And does does the sort of commonality of the skills involved? How does that help when you're? you're trying to prepare and obviously be the best version of yourself in, in both spheres? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously there is a lot of school crossover. Um, everyone always asks me, one of the most common questions I get is, oh, do you never get tempted to dribble the ball in basketball? Or, <laughs> and all this and, and I don't know why I don't get tempted to dribble the ball in netball or vice versa, but I guess it's because I've been doing it so long that the skill crossover is obviously there in terms of my netball game has obviously little bits of basketball in it and it's a bit unorthodox for a regular netball kind of style of play. But I think it makes me different and complements both sports. Because you tweeted a few weeks ago a, a shot and it was supposed to be, we could describe it as almost as a corner three, but it was a netball. I mean, is that a shot typically that you wouldn't have tried to take if you were a netball player, if I can put it that way? Uh, no, that was just literally like last second shot, try and get it up. And obviously <laughs> the fact that I take those kind of shots in basketball probably worked in my favour in terms of being able to make the shot. Um, but yeah. There's a, there's a time of year where you get no downtime at all because it must be back and forth, you know, twice a day and depending on your training schedule. Um, I know I do manage to get some downtime. It's really good, like, especially in Loughborough um, where riders are based and obviously the netball team's based because everything's... Um, done within like a small kind of group of people. The netball and the basketball share an office, so the communication there is really good. And then obviously you've got um, people like my SNC coach who manages my load in to make sure I'm not doing too much and have, having a risk of injury. So there are certain days where um, are always off for me. So after a game is definitely always off and certain other aspects that are built in where they'll make sure that 
I'm not overloaded with my training schedule or game schedule. Um, so I do manage to find some downtime. Um, I do work as well, though, so that kind of cuts into my downtime. But, yeah. What's, I mean, obviously this year being very different, but kind of fly back in time, 12 months and a little bit more. I mean, you know, that set up at Loughborough, which... You know, you look at the, the the number of sports that are based on campus. You know, cricket, swimming, weightlifting. I mean, you, you probably wheel off even more. I mean, what's what do you what are you able to soak up from having that proximity on a weekly basis to people from you know, different sports with with different ideas and, and you know you know different different dreams, but of course everyone trying for for sporting excellence. Yeah, I mean. Loughborough, I guess, is very, well, not that niche, but it is very niche for that. Um, being able to go into the gym and train with um, British swimmers that are preparing for the Olympics, weightlifters that are preparing for the Olympics as well, um, amongst all the other sports, because obviously netball is a franchise along with lightning cricket and rugby. So you've got all those people um, around you. And I guess that strife excellent just rubs off on everyone. We don't want to be the, the slackers at the back of the line at, in Loughborough Sport. We want to be at the top, one of the forefront. Um, teams for both basketball and netball um, so I guess it does just, just push everyone around you to be better not just in our sport but in all the sports I mean you're obviously part of the same club as riders but you know you train in training different venues and there's a, there's a little bit of separation there but how much do you guys on a normal year you know interact with the men's team get spurred on by the men's team you know inspired you know, is there a if if COVID were not there, what's the dynamic between the two different squads? Um, honestly, not that much. Um, there is a few circumstances where we might have to play at the arena. Therefore, there'll be some crossover. So I think after Christmas or just before Christmas this year, well, got just gone, we were meant to play at the arena. So we were there um, for a few training sessions beforehand. And usually without COVID, like the last couple of years, um, you would have seen the men come to the uni sometimes to train. I'm not sure the reasoning behind it, but um, but there isn't much crossover, to be honest. Would you like a little more to create that um, atmosphere? Potentially. Um, I think the dynamic, the way it works now, it works fine. But I guess maybe to um, yeah create more of like a club atmosphere, it, it would be nice. Um, but whether it's possible, I don't know. And also... Like right now, I think it works fine because a lot of the girls on our team, especially, are studying at university. So, to having to travel to the arena constantly, etc., for trainings, if that's where we're mainly based for games and stuff, would probably be a larger issue than people might think it would be. You had a, a long spell where you were basketball only, and you know, having obviously played at you know, international level under twenty level on netball, but then you, then you obviously went to the states. Then you built this sort of professional career in you know places like Spain and, and Italy, you know, amongst it. What what tempted you or what sort of planted that seed to juggle both sports again? Um I was dead set on not doing netball again. So I think it was my second year in Spain when I was playing at um, a team called Ganica in the north. Um I was approached by my old club um, which is Saracens Mavericks now, to play for the second half of the season. I think they had some injury woes. Um, and the coach I knew pretty well, and so she kind of planted the seed about me coming back to play. 
and I knew that the netball league itself had developed quite a lot and I'd obviously been out for six years or so so I was like no like I'm not going to be good there's no way that I would be able to compete in the league after being out for six years um so I was dead, dead set on no and then obviously I came home for some of the international periods where we were playing like I think it was Italy and Manchester and she'd driven up all the way to Manchester to try and like persuade me even more um and at the end of the day, I talked over a few people and um, the way she was so persistent, I guess, I just kind of said, well, if she really wants me, that's fine. Like, it's no skin off my teeth. If that makes sense. I can, once my season finishes, I can go over, play the second half of the season, earn a little bit of extra money. Um, and there's technically no pressure on me because people won't expect me to be good. I've been out for six years. Um, but obviously I got the taste of it then, um, got kind of a invite into the England system again which was nice I loved to be around like elite level um, like players and coaching and stuff like that so to be kind of invited back into that was nice as well um, and then I always had the well, I was kind of set in my mind that I was going back to play professional basketball whenever it happened again like I didn't really like coming in to a team halfway through a season in netball it's a little bit different to basketball in terms of how it works like it's really common in basketball you can come in halfway through a season it's fine but in netball it's not really heard of um and all the other girls were like was really nice you just felt a little bit uncomfortable about it um because i came in and i think the first game i we traveled to loughborough to play loughborough and i said oh i'm just gonna sit on the bench and she subbed me in like within the first quarter and, and then since then like i played quite a lot so i kind of felt a little bit um awkward doing it so I said, oh, no, I don't want to do that again. If I'm going to play netball, like, I'll play for the whole season. Um, but for now, like, I'm happy to live my life playing basketball overseas. Um, so I went to Italy. And then my the coach of Loughborough at the time, Karen Atkinson, I used to also play with before I left for the States. Um, so I had a really good relationship with her. And they also had some injury woes in their season. So she asked me to do the same thing. And I keep saying now that, like, if it was anyone else that would have asked me other than Karen, I probably would have said no. Um, but yeah, so play for Loughborough for that season. Um, ended up doing my. Um, I was involved in the England program as well once I came back and um, did my ACL. I think like seven minutes into the last game of the season before the semi-finals and finals, and we were I think at that point top of the table, so we were like favourites to win it. Um, and then I'd been I'm in an R in about whether I should stick it out and give it a go with netball. Um, really um, kind of headfirst into the England programme, give them my all and see where it takes me. As obviously, I like you said, I've not been doing basketball for a while. I mean, I've only been doing basketball for a while. Um, play for GB so many times. Um, just for new challenge, let's see where it can take me. Um, and so then obviously I did my ACL and no offence to basketball, but England netball has a really good setup um, with medical staff and uh, etc so um, that wasn't the whole, only reason I stuck out of netball obviously I'd already made my decision before I did my ACL like I had many conversations with people um, but I had my surgery um, rehab and everything through England netball um, which was great like I ended up coming back in seven months um, so I kind of thought isn't without trying to make it sound bad, I kind of thought like I owed it more to netball to try and stick it out for a little bit longer to see if anything took me anywhere. Um, and then obviously wanted to return to basketball more so from a rehab side of things. I just felt like I wasn't back to where I wanted to be. And I was like a year or so 
out of surgery and the only thing that was different before that was the fact I was playing basketball so I felt like bringing that back might bring like everything back for me in terms of finding my whole complete game again. And did that prove to be the case? Um, Yes and no. I still think like I lack a few things I had before I did my ACL but overall yeah coming back to basketball did add certain things to my game that I was lacking post um, surgery and rehab. I mean, you say with that that surgery, I mean, no offence to basketball, but I mean, it must aggrieve you as someone that's been around basketball for so long that here's one sport that can provide you with everything you need, but here's this other sport to which you have given a lot that doesn't have that kind of structure in place to go, I've had the injury, we'll get you in surgery tomorrow, you'll get a full rehab, all the backing that you would expect as a international player. Yeah, um... I mean, basketball obviously would have been able to manage my surgery completely fine. Would have been able to do my rehab completely fine. Um, but netball had the connections that basketball might not have had. So I got to see at the time probably the best ACL surgeon in the country um, through netball, and I was in within like a week and a bit of doing my ACL. Um, so that itself, I think, was like basketball possibly might have been able to do it. I don't know, but I knew netball would have been able to do it. What do you think is different? I mean, give, give us a, you know analysis from inside. What has changed about your basketball game since the ACL? Or how have you had to adapt it to kind of compensate for that? Um, I mean, now, probably not that much. I mean, at first it would have been the more like apprehension um, to make moves to the basket or, you know, create that body contact in the post and stuff like that, which I'm probably still need to work on a little bit more, but... Um, more so my speed. I mean, I was never the fastest player, don't get me wrong, but um, it's very clear now that I'm not very fast at all. Um, so that's probably the main thing. But that crosses over to netball as well. But other than that, things are pretty much similar for basketball. Same moves, etc. With With the two sports, I mean, we see the kind of glitz and glamour that the Netball Super League has built on, you know, when it's showing on Sky from a financial point of view we don't need specific numbers here but how does it compare obviously you were under contract England netball for a while as well what's the numbers like for a netball player compared to let's take a decent league Spain um I mean to be honest when you play in a place like Spain the numbers are, are pretty similar um well, no, in Spain, I was getting quite a bit more than I would be with netball. But um, it balances out now because obviously I play riders and netball as well as. Um, and obviously when I was with England and just doing netball, it balanced it out a little bit more. Obviously, if you go and play in Suncorp or whatever, you're making the, the the big bucks, as they say. But you'd still probably, if you were a top player in League Feminina 1, you'd be out, you'd be more earning more than the netballers, I think, out there after tax and etc. Because basketball is just such more of a global sport, so therefore the money is there for it. And obviously outside of the UK, it's huge. So there's money there for players to get. Mm. There's um, an interview with your dad, Mark, of course, coach of London Lions, which people can read in the post up on MVP next next weekend. And he, talk, he talks about how basketball and netball aren't really rivals, but also why the WBBL should try and learn from the way that 
the Super League markets itself and how it's built itself this you know, platform and its, its product, I guess. I mean, you're able to see both these products from the inside. What, what should the WBBL be looking at and gratuitously poaching? Um, I think at this point in time as well, the main push would obviously be women's sport. Like that's got a huge push within media at this current time. And I don't think the WBL is riding on that enough. Mm. Um, and I've obviously seen netball grow as well from when I used to play in the Super League way back when. And the setup was similar to what the WBL is now. You play in a sports hall. Yeah, you probably get a few more fans in just because of the fact how it appeals to um, women's sport in terms of girls and mums, etc. like that. Um, but the kind of where it was when I first started to play, you'd still play in the same kind of sports hall with a million lines on the floor. Um <laughs> And occasionally you might get the little rollout mat, but that would be on very rare occasions. Whereas now, like you only you're only going to play on a court with netball lines, or um, they'll roll out Loughborough, or even if we went on TV, we'd always roll out the um, the I don't know what the material is, but floor that would literally just have netball lines on it that they use for TV games. Um, it's hard to say what they should take because obviously basketball is different. And it's not got the same pull as it's only a women's sport. People see it as a men's sport first first and foremost over a, um, a women's. Whereas netball has that of, although men do play it, it's seen as a women's sport first. So it appeals to that demographic. And basketball could appeal to that demographic. It's just the way that it is marketed towards that demographic. Like it could, you could just push it completely, ignore the men's game if you really wanted to. Especially at this time when women's sport is being pushed so hard. And just really emphasise the fact of women can participate in it more often than not. It's an indoor sport, which for me, if I was whoever old, um, not doing any sport like that, would, like a lot of the walking netball now is outside, but they still get so much participation from it, and that itself is what brings people in to watch the games because if they're involved in the sport, they then want to watch the elite games. They then want to pick a team that they're going to be a fan of. But we don't have that loyal that fan base in the same kind of numbers that netball do because i think i mean that i mean i think you've hit the nail on the head something i've always felt is that you know the basketball singularly has failed to market itself to women as a sport of choice you know an athletic activity of sports or even a spectator activity of choice i mean i mean if dive into that a little bit more i mean why do you think netball has has been able to strike this chord. I mean, yeah, yes, there is the women-only aspect of it, but what's the messaging and what's the a kind of offering that it has made that when you look at basketball, you think you've 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 overlooked this or you've said this or explained this poorly. Um, I mean, I don't know if this is the case because I don't know what England netball's kind of plan was in terms of how they were going to grow the sport the way they have. But um, even if you look into school sports, like I work currently in a girls' school, and although we have like a lovely facility, basketball rooms in there, it's not, it's not a sport that is pushed on the girls. Whereas netball is like there's a netball club every single day. There's just no demand for basketball. Um, even when I was at school, like um, there was no. I had to play one year up, and that was only because I had some sporty friends in the year above that would play basketball with me. Um, it's not really. Like you play it randomly and maybe a one-off P lesson if you're a girl, as far as I know. 
um, unless you probably go to the likes of Barking Abbey where it's a specialised sports college that has a basketball academy attached to it any of these other schools probably basketball isn't prevalent there and then you will never kind of get the feel for it or learn to like the game to want to play it outside of school potentially or like follow the elite game whereas I speak to some of the girls that I coach at the school about netball and they go to like one club or one club that trains about three times a week and they'll always watch the Super League games they're, they're like involved in it and I think that's where it starts because like their parents have probably grown up playing netball at school and then they've pushed them into it when they're young whereas basketball like not many people play in school and therefore they're not pushing their children to play it in school either or outside of school I don't know if that makes sense, but um, mm-hmm. but netball have such a good grassroots level and they cater to every single like age or demographic. So they've also got walking netball for the people that aren't able to. They've obviously got youth netball and youth netball pathways. Um, they've just got loads of local and social leagues, which I know basketball do have, but it's mainly for people that have been in, in, involved in basketball in some aspects. Like with netball, you get people that have never even picked up a netball before and they want to come and play it because they see it and they know that it's like a fun women's sport to play. And I don't know if it become, comes down to um, like the with basketball, they might always be compared to the men. Like it's never going to be um, as athletic as the men. People aren't going to dunk it, um, etc. But I think they're missing a trick. Like with basketball, everyone can shoot. Like, and that's what everyone loves to do. Like you're, play crappy netball games but everyone wants to play in the killer because it's fun whereas so like they're missing a trick like people like to shoot like if you just take that for example like everyone gets a chance to do everything in um, basketball um whether you're good at shooting or not but you can offer different things like you can in netball i feel like i'm rambling and i don't really know how to explain no, what the difference. I, don't, I, yeah, I don't know what the difference yeah i don't really know what the difference is between the two as i've not known England netball's plan in terms of how they've developed the game. Um, I mean, but... I'm, sure, I'm sure some people would say the same about basketball and them, but that's a whole different story. I mean, you, <laughs> you picked one very specific thing there. I, mean, I, I want to pick you up on it. I mean, you talked about the comparison to the men's game. And you know, we've seen so many WNBA players who are the highest profile of all talking about, you know, probably idiots in social media trying to say, you know, you're not as good as the NBA, you know, this is rubbish, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I think everyone's seen the quality of the game and, and who appreciates basketball and understands who the real idiots are in that conversation. Do you think that's the same in this country? That there is still that ludicrous, wrong perception that the women's game is, A, you're comparing apples and oranges anyway here, but that it, there isn't that same respect and appreciation accorded to the women's game. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it happens in all the sports, even now, like BBC will post like about women's football and you look at the comments and it's just like men wanting to slate women's football for no reason at all. Um, but yeah, it, it happens in basketball, but obviously there's not as much media coverage for people to openly comment on things and slay things and come at it um and also it like you said it is lack of understanding so the men's game might be more athletic all to it but the women's game i think is far more like technical because we can't rely on that athleticism so it's far more technical and tactical in the women's game in my opinion um because you won't be able to get 
two or three people on the team that will be able to just take one dribble and dunk it or take one dribble and just power through people because that's not the women's game. Um, which I personally like to watch the women's game more than men's game, which is probably um, not that common, but um, yeah, it's, it's definitely prevalent in all sports, it's not, especially in this country, but worldwide really, isn't it? Having been you know, fortunate enough to play in, you know, abroad in good leagues and obviously in European competition internationally, who for you is the most perfect player you've ever played against? Ooh. Good question. Um, perfect player I've ever played against. Is it? Uh, well, I don't know her married name, but um, I remember playing Belarus against uh, Viramenka. Mm-hmm. That's not her married name. I can't remember like, what her married name is. Um, but at the time, I was, I think that's one of my first years in GB, so I would have been about not nine, eight, 19, I think, mm-hmm. around that. Um, and she played the same position as me and she could literally do everything. She could shoot the three, one of the smoothest shots you'll probably see in the women's game, but also be so effortless, effortless when she made way to the basket. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure if that's because I was young in the door, but she is obviously still a very world-class player now. So um, I think my assumptions at the time were probably right. I suppose it's that, that incredible combination of big height very big height but also the the multi sort of skill set that she has yeah um and everything just like i said just seemed so effortless no matter what she did it looked like she was barely out of breath barely making a sweat just because it was just so smooth every movement she made and still um still i think in her early 30s now still going quite strong um for you i mean obviously we can never we can never talk about the Clarks without talking about the whole clan. I mean, your mum was obviously an international in both sports as well. Your dad, you know, being a GB coach, you know, now at the Lions. I mean, describing it, what different ways did they influence your sporting DNA? Um, I mean, I always joke, but it was pretty much out of the womb. I was around basketball. Um, I think when I was first born my dad was involved in well some of my earliest memories when my dad was involved in coaching the um, London Leopards so I remember just running around the bleachers with um, one of Billy Mims's daughters um, constantly at games I don't can't remember many memories when I wasn't at a London Leopards game um, in fact I think Duncan Ogilvy sent me a picture uh, this week of me um, front and centre of one of their um, championship winning pitches <laughs> uh, must have been for the second year in a row um, but um, and they never really pushed it on me and I think it was just because I was around it um, and I wanted to play it rather than being like forced like here's a ball like you have to do this go work on your ball handling it was never really forced on me and then if you think I've got Dan as the older brother who obviously picked up basketball before me and the whole sibling rivalry which a lot of people will attest to um, I wanted to, I wanted to beat him at one on one in the driveway all the time no matter if it meant that I was hanging onto his legs to stop him. <laughs> um, like, I would always be out there, like, trying to play with him. I mean, obviously, it got frustrating because, obviously, he's obviously a lot taller and a lot better, um, especially at that time. I think I'll give him a run for his money now, but um, at that time, he was obviously a lot more physically able to do more things than I was able to do, which, I, obviously, I found frustrating, but my parents were never kind of, like, 
not necessarily pushing me towards basketball, but also not telling me to give up. So they'd be like, well, you have to find a way to beat him. Um, and I think that itself is a big message without being like a big message, like a big whole conversation by itself, because it's also like things are going to get frustrating. But if you really like it and you want to actually beat him one day, you're going to have to work at it um, and find different ways that work for you and your skill set at that time and see how you can develop and get better. And maybe, I say one day, but it happened pretty soon that I managed to beat him. Because um, as, as teens, how heated could this battle for supremacy get? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean... Without going into too much detail, um, pe- uh, people will know that I say this, but I always refer to Dan as the golden child. Um, but like that, it's that's stems from us being really competitive in basketball. Um, it, but everything else around outside of basketball, like um, you'd be sitting at the table and one person would finish that, but we'd both finish our drinks. We'd literally wait it out to see who was who's getting up to go fill up because we weren't. We were just that competitive that I'm not getting you one you have to get me one kind of thing um just stupid stupid things like that like we just be competitive with all the time um there are some things I'd obviously draw the line on like I would never um like I don't know what sport was he really good at I'd never go and remember he used to play rugby and obviously then I used to copy him but I would never go and play rugby with him because it would just end in tears um a lot of things did um a lot of people attest to the fact that Dan probably had a few anger issues, I guess, when he was growing up. Um, um, so I was probably at the brunt of a lot of those because um, obviously I'd just wind him up um, when we were playing different things or um, just outside of sport, I'd just wind him up like he would wind me up. And so therefore, I'd get the brunt of a lot of things, which, I mean, I, I probably hated him, but most people would say they hated their sibling at a certain point in time. No, I think you're, now... you're both older and wiser describing oh, no, the yeah, relationship. I, I... This, uh, um, obviously he he moved to Spain when he was 14 so and that was my first year of secondary school that he moved um, so we missed out on quite a big um, time when you kind of get I guess mature and like learn to live with each other better um, so I'd probably say we are obviously a lot closer and the last few years even more so than um, like when I was in the States and stuff like that but um, it's hard to describe the dynamic. I mean, where he's there to support me, and I'm there to support him, um, and stuff like that. But he is obviously in a different country and has been for how many years, and I've obviously not been there. So it's hard to say. But we are close. I'd say we're closer than we were when we were children, if that makes sense. And you still want to beat him desperately when you play. Oh yeah, but that's that always happens now. So, <laughs> I mean, he's had a, he's had a dodgy knee for the last couple of years, so I've I've uh, I've tried to uh, utilize that in my favour. Oh, that's harsh, but entirely fair. Um, <laughs> let's talk about WBBL this season. And as as we speak now, Ryder's sitting top of the WBBL, I and mean, you guys won the cup obviously earlier in the year. But yeah, you know, there's been COVID stoppages and. A lot of people felt this would be the season that, that didn't get finished, including myself. And you know, here we are within touching distance of the finishing line. And it, 
looks as you know we'll get there and it's been been up and down but it's you know the league will, will finish i mean has this year exceeded your expectations in terms of how it's been able to happen um i don't think it's exceeded my expectations i think this was my expectation of it constantly being not constantly but being a little bit stop start um various issues um, and obviously it started a bit later so I was interested to see how they'd managed to fit in all the games. Um, but obviously the league's been slightly extended into May now, um, which was the plan from the beginning. But, but currently, well, we played yesterday. We've got a game on Wednesday. We play Saturday. And then we've got another game on Wednesday. And then we play sa- Saturday or Sunday the week afterwards. So that, I guess, I wasn't didn't really know how it would work in terms of managing to fit in all the games, but obviously now I know that it's just going to be a constant like midweek game, as if I mean like to dream that it's like we're playing in Europe and you get that midweek game as well as the weekend game. Um, but I I kind of was under the impression that the season would go ahead. I thought at the time when when it got when all the fixtures were released and um, and all the guidelines for COVID and stuff were set out. I thought there would be stop-starts, but I did think, I mean, maybe it's just me being really optimistic, but I did think the season would complete itself, um, which turns out to be right. Well, we've only got a few weeks left, so fingers crossed it still happened. I mean, amongst all this, it's been an amazingly competitive league this year, especially at the top of the table. I mean, we're chatting here on Monday, Riders playing London and Wednesday night. Then you've got two games against Seven Oaks within the next two weeks. I mean, it's a terrifically compelling three-way scrap for the for the championship i mean how much has it raised the bar for you guys as a team that you know there's there's always been something to play for and there's always rivals there who are breathing down your neck whether it's you know cup or or league um yeah i love the fact it's a little bit more competitive and there's not like the outright like blowout games i mean you might get the odd few but um I think it speaks loads for the the way the league is growing slowly that there are these closer games that are more competitive and bringing it back to the how it appeals to more people. Those are the games that people probably want to watch when they're a little bit closer rather than blowout games. Um, so that itself is um, one positive. And in terms of finding out for the last spot, um, even if you bring it back to like the trophy and trophy and cup finals, what I think riders we'd won the trophy for like three years straight and we weren't in that final. So having that different dynamic and all these different teams that can upset anyone on any given day, I think speaks volumes about how the league is growing um, and the the quality of players that we're bringing in. What do you think the gulf, or, or, or if indeed there is one, but you know, what's the biggest gap or, or difference as a, in terms of the player treatment that still exists between netball super league and wbbl i mean what where's where from just looking after players player welfare what's player wages you know, everything around that where where can wbbl improve um it's hard because there are completely different dynamics within both sides of it um so netball whereas basketball it's like you play in europe or you play here like you're pretty much training every day and you'll get one day off in the week and then you'll play games at the weekend whereas netball we have like two main team sessions a week plus like one team technical and then the rest is somewhat self-led like with weights and stuff like that um so that like the dynamic there itself in terms of loading and stuff netball take loading into so much 
like loading is a huge part of how we train in netball because they go along off the sports science route of if you spike the loading so much you'll end up with an injury four weeks down the line um whereas i think bars will have access to that but don't necessarily use it um you'll have people within teams that might go home for a few days because that's the nature of basketball in this country um, and the lack of professionalism. Um, people might go home for a few days and then they'll come back and they'll just go straight back into training, whereas netball, no, it's like an, you're eased in. Um, so there's not that big spike. Um, but so that in terms of welfare-wise, money-wise, um, in this country, they're probably pretty pretty similar. And there's obviously a huge gap between playing overseas. Um, but there's just, um, I think, speaking to my dad and stuff, the only way they've been able to get some of the players they've had this year is just through the investment. And they're probably the only team with a major investment this year, especially in WVL. Um, and they've obviously invested in the Lions team. So the men's team as well. Um, but... It's, it's quite a different dynamic. Like, even if you go into trainings, like, a lot of the netballers um, will obviously do loads of self-reflection. So we'll do certain practices or drills and then we'll come in and talk between us before the coaches even say anything. Whereas basketball, everything's mainly, like, coach-led. Not necessarily a dictatorship, but somewhat along those lines of this is what we're doing, this is what's going wrong, or this is the play we're running next kind of thing, instead of trying to figure it out ourselves, which is what netball do, if that kind of makes sense. Mm. What, what would it take for you to sign for London Lions next season? <laughs> um, it would depend on a few things. Just in, terms of, <laughs> <laughs> just in terms of opportunities. I'm not against being coached by my dad. I, um, I think my dad's one of the better coaches I've had throughout my career. Um, obviously, um, he's a... Well, He's hard on a, few, a lot of people, but he's definitely a lot harder on me. Um, I've got some of my worst basketball memories from him, but also some of my best. So um, playing for him isn't probably the issue. It would just be, come down to a lot of other things uh, in terms of opportunities outside of basketball as well. Hmm. One final thing. I mean, in Great Britain, I mean, you know, over 20 caps and you play the Euro baskets, et cetera, for the team. But it's been, it's been over four years since your last GB cap and we're not overflowing with you know inside outside bigs and you know there's people like me who have said you know surprised that you've not been recalled at any point can you explain why um that's probably a question for Chema <laughs> well we've asked him now we're asking you <laughs> um when I came back to basketball again so when I was decided that I wanted to juggle both again um, I had a brief conversation with him um, about possibly coming back into GB and if there's an option. Like I'm, I as an athlete, I'm always striving to be at the elite level, whether that's with netball or basketball. So if the offer ever did come up, um, I would never say no to either. Um, I pride myself playing for my country, as like that's how it's instilled in me and Dan throughout our whole lives. I'm playing for your country is the, probably the biggest honour um, you'll get. So, um, I mean, I I don't know. 
have to, it's a question for Chemar to get a good answer from. Would, would you like to come back to the team? I mean, if that, I mean obviously because you, you weren't there for that semi-final run and the Euro Olympic qualifiers, when I think they could have used you. I mean, I mean, would you would you dearly love if that call came? Would you be jumping on the plane immediately? And is is that is there a hunger there to be back in that team? If if the offer ever does come around, like I don't, I there would have to be some extreme circumstances for me to say no to playing for GB again. Um, but it's it's obviously on me to have the performances to warrant myself to be put back in that squad. Um, but um, I yeah, I would get on the plane the next day if Chema asked me to get on the plane the next day or whoever the GB coach was at the time. There we go. Let's get the hashtag recall Ella on Twitter right now. Um, I'm going to throw one last question at you. If you had to play one sport between now and the rest of your life, what would you play? Oh, can I not? Be, can I keep how I'm uh, balancing both now? <laughs> no, pick one or the other. <laughs> no, we'll let you off that one. It's fine. <laughs> um, Ella, thank you so much for joining us. Continued success on both fronts um, for, for netball and basketball and everything else. And um, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thanks for having me. That's it for this edition of the MVP cast. You can get all our previous editions at MVP247.com. Doing great chats recently with Shaquille Joseph and Belfast Star amongst them. You can also sign up at the website for the post up our regular newsletter. Or if you want to get in touch with me, reach out via Twitter at Mark Purple. Another edition of the MVP cast coming very soon. But for me, Mark Woods, it's bye for now. <laughs> <laughs>